0: And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money. Markets. Life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors.
1: And welcome to the show this morning. Of course, it's Wednesday as we uh, roll through this uh, shortened holiday week. Of course, Friday, Good Friday means markets are closed, so uh, really tomorrow is the big day this week. Also, we have employment data, and that was kind of an interesting situation yesterday. Markets did sell off here a bit. Uh, Of course, not surprising. We talked about how the markets had gotten had a very big run here last week. In fact, in this weekend's newsletter, we discussed the fact that markets needed to correct a little bit this week. Everything had gotten very overbought short term. Um, So a little bit of a pullback, not surprising. Actually, that would give you a decent opportunity to add some exposure to your portfolio. And that's what we saw happening yesterday. Markets did come back just a little bit on the jolts data. Now that is the job opening and labor turnover survey. That's shortened for jolts. And, uh, but basically that's been very strong and it still remains very strong, but the number of job openings did decline. And this is really the first significant decline in job openings that we've seen really over the last year or so and of course you know following the economic shutdown and then you know we laid off you know half the workforce uh, during the the, during the pandemic well once we started hiring all those people back lots of job openings of course postings on indeed and career builder and you name the website Everybody's got a job opening, and a lot of this is just a guess as to how many job openings there are. And we've talked about the problems with job openings, you know, before is that, you know, there's a lot of companies that will just have a a residual job posting all the time. Um, Restaurants are a good example of this. They always need to hire waiters or hostesses or whatever it is because there's a very high turnover, in those jobs. So basically they just post a job posting out there and they just leave it because even if they hire somebody for that position, odds are somebody else is going to leave. They're going to go work for another restaurant that pays a higher wage, whatever it is. So they just have to have a perpetual, um, you know, job posting out there. So again, it kind of distorts how many jobs are actually available. Maybe they're not hiring right now, but they just got the job posting out there anyway. So. Um, But we did see a significant decline. And this is really that first crack that we're seeing in some of this economic data as of late. Of course, I was just talking about yesterday that economists and analysts are ratcheting up their exposure uh, or their estimates, I should say, uh, for the markets, both in both uh, growth of earnings uh, into 2024, as well as economic growth through 2024, seeing a fairly sharp recovery. economic activity a slowdown this quarter next quarter and then a fairly sharp recovery that's really kind of very different than what some of the other economic data is saying and that's really this dichotomy that we've got going on in the markets well actually between the markets here we've got a market that's been doing very well in fact rising from the october lows um, has been a a fairly decent advance for stocks despite the fact that we have a lot of this economic data that continues to show some weakness yesterday we saw data on on bank loans which are now starting to drop off fairly sharply the demand for bank loans dropping off fairly sharply that suggests that there's weakness in. The, i don't want to take on debt if i'm not sure that i'm gonna be able to pay it back right so the demand for loans dropping that's a sign of economic weakness um also, again, with this first kind of kind of really decent drop in job openings, I suggest that maybe these companies are going, you know what, I'm going to pull back. We're not going to hire any more people right now. Maybe we're not laying off just yet, but we're certainly not hiring anybody at this point. Again, that's something that happens when you see more economic weakness. The ISM survey yesterday also showing some decent weakness. Again, uh, you know, that index is, has come down sharply, definitely in contractionary territory for the economy, yet um, everything else seems to be doing just fine in terms of the market. So you know, this, is the, this is that dichotomy. What, who's right here? Is it the economic data? Is it the analysts? Is it Wall Street? Or is it the market? And markets tend to lead, historically, economic turns. So what the market is saying right now, and this is, the, this is the part as investors that we've got to figure out, we've got to figure this out correctly, the market's suggesting that we're having an improvement in the underlying economic data that's coming, right? So again, if markets are predicting, and they generally predict about six months out, if this rally in the markets that we've had really since October is predicting a turn in economic data, we should start seeing that in the next couple of months. If the market is wrong, then the market's going to have to play catch-up to the economic data. And again, this is is also one of the other dichotomies of the market as well. The Fed funds (coughs) futures are declining. Now, what the market is expecting is for the Federal Reserve to start cutting rates by the middle of this year and cutting aggressively into early 2024. Now, so the markets are rallying on this expectation of this Fed pivot. However, the question that we still have to ask, and I've asked this question on the show here before, and it's something that I need to remind you of because this is the important question. If the market's rallying in anticipation of the Fed pivot, that's fine. That means easier monetary accommodation. Hey, I get it. That's the ringing of the bell for Pavlov's dogs. Cutting rates, quantitative easing, that's good for stocks. I get that. But... If the economy is doing just fine, if earnings are growing as analysts are expecting them to do, then why would the Fed cut rates? See, the only time the Fed has ever cut rates historically, or the only reason they would cut rates, is because there's some type of either recession or economic event or financial event that they need to, fi- to provide support for, right? So the economy is slowing down, you have a recession, more money into the system to help stem off the, the decline of economic activity. But if you don't have that, why would they cut rates? And again, so it's an interesting dichotomy, again, between even not just the markets and the economic data, but also the markets and the Fed, because the markets are suggesting that, hey, Mr. Fed, you're going to start cutting rates, and that's going to be good for me. And the Fed's going, I'm not going to cut rates until there's a problem. So somebody's going to be wrong here, and, and it's going to make an outcome of the markets that are certainly very different than probably what we're ante- anticipating currently. But this is the the battle between the bulls and the bears that we have going on right now. Markets, again, in a bullish trend here. MACD buy signals in place. Markets a little bit overbought here. Expect a bit of a pullback today. Uh, Futures are flattish, but down a little bit. But again, we could see a little bit more weakness in the markets. Work off some of this overbought condition short-term. That provides the market the ability to rally a bit, bit higher. But again, that sounds great until you start to worry about The economic data. And again, who's right? I don't have the answer for you. I wish I did. But um, it's something that we'll be exploring a little bit more in this weekend's newsletter, kind of going through that question. Uh, So I'll have that out this weekend to, to give you something to read over the long, long holiday weekend, when you obviously have nothing better to do than read a financial newsletter. But I'll have that out for you this weekend as well. Uh, get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Michael Leebwood's latest blog post is out right now. It's on the website as well. Also, make sure you get our daily market commentary. We publish that every morning at 7.30. That'll, that'll be there for you. Also, be sure and subscribe to both of our YouTube channels. We have this channel for The Real Investment Show. So again, just click the little bell icon so you're notified. Make sure you're subscribed. Uh, but also, make sure and jump over to our Before the Bell channel. So if you like our three minutes on markets and money that we produce every morning, uh, get you ready for your trading day it's just a quick little hit on the markets uh, simply subscribe to that channel and also click that little bell icon uh, right above it because that'll get you the notification that that uh, that uh, that video has been posted every day during the week so again it's all there for you all there to help you make more money of course and best of all it's all free so we'll be right back for more of the real investment show right after the break i'm your host science roberts don't go away
0: Investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. What's new with Social Security this year? Our next Lunch & Learn will reveal seven things to watch in 2023. Thursday, April 13th at noon, Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff will share Social Security claiming strategies, the 2023 COLA, and earnings tests. Our What's New with Social Security this year Lunch & Learn with Ratliff and Rosso. April 13th. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show
1: so uh, a couple of things as i was just talking about a second ago markets are going to be uh, a little bit weaker this morning not i think dramatic of course and again not surprising as we talked about yesterday and you know the the run here as of late got everything very very overbought last week in particular because it was a very sharp advance had gotten most every market and sector into pretty much maximum overbought territory on the short term and something we covered in this past weekend's newsletter as well. And, and we suggested in the newsletter that, hey, a bit of a pullback this week wouldn't be surprising. So, again, that, that's all this is, right? So don't, you know, don't start extrapolating that you know, there's something else going on here in the short term more than it is. It's just a pullback. And, again, not surprising. Uh this morning uh market's going to open just a tad weaker but where they finish up today day will be very important because we're sitting on very important support right now which is that kind of downtrend line that we have back from the February highs and this was something that we had you know showed yesterday uh talking about the market in general is that in in the short term these um you know kind of movements in the markets they have support and resistance levels that tend to hold up well over time and we're at one of those levels where markets can find a little bit of support here so if we don't hold that support today so if markets close you know if the s&p closes 10 points lower today as an example we'll have broken through that support level that is important to the the market in the short term. And we'll probably try to retest the 50 day moving average. So again, and that's not a long way below where we are now, but that would help work off some of this overbought condition. So if you're worried you missed the rally to get to you know want to add some exposure for the next month or so, that's that's likely very possible that that'll, that'll happen. Again, but this is, as I was saying, this is the big dichotomy. It's like, why would I want to add exposure when there's all this obvious economic weakness? and, and there is. And this is the this is the big challenging part of, you know, managing money is that sometimes markets do things that are not logical. As John Maynard Keynes once said, you know, it's like markets will remain irrational longer than you can remain logical. And you, you'll, you know, you'll kind of run out of money sometimes. And this is this is the this is the big issue. Right. And it's very easy to get swept up into one camp or the other, right? So I've got emails coming in every day of, you know, the bull market's back and, you know, you just need to be long stocks and quit worrying about the other stuff because it's obviously, you know, all the other stuff is wrong. And then the the opposite of that, you know, the economic data suggests you know, worse things are to come. And and look, there's valid arguments for both sides of the equation. Something Mike and I will probably talk a lot about a a bit more in detail tomorrow on the show is this decision that investors have to make. And this is always the problem with being bullish or bearish, right? Right. And and again, as we talked about before, you can be bullish or you can be bearish. The problem with that is you get yourself kind of sucked into one particular thought process. It was an interesting graphic out this morning. The vast majority of Gen Zers now get their news almost solely from TikTok. Brent just rolled his eyes. Now, here's the problem with that, right? And again it's it's no different whether you watch CNN or Fox News, right? It's it's you get this silo of information and you get a spin on the information in one direction or the other, but but you know, social media is worse in a lot of ways because of the way the algorithms are built so that if you start looking at one type of information, then it starts feeding you. It says, "Oh, you must like that that point of view so I'm going to feed you only that point of view because that's what you like I want you to keep coming back so I'm going to feed you what you want to what you want to read or see or hear and so the problem with only getting your news from social media is that you put yourself into the silo and that's all you're getting fed so you get this daily diet of news flow that only confirms your viewpoint that makes you feel like a genius Right. But this is what we call confirmation bias. We only source out the information that agrees with us. So we feel smart. The problem with that is, is that you're not challenging yourself to look at another viewpoint that may be actually correct. And so the problem with being bullish or bearish and only sourcing out that information that fits that narrative you potentially miss the other side of the, of, of the view that might be correct and you wind up losing money. Either you lose money because you're long and the market goes down or you lose opportunity because you're not in the market and the market goes up, right? So there's always a loss. It may be financial, it may be opportunity, but it all results back down to either making or losing money one way or the other. So this is the important thing about making sure we always challenge our views. And maybe I'll write about that this weekend. Maybe that'll be the newsletter. I haven't started it obviously yet. I'm still—I start writing the newsletter on Wednesdays, and so today's Wednesday. So I'm kind of coming up with the topic now as we speak. But you know, it's—it's this—it's this confirmation bias that makes it very difficult for us to navigate markets over time and 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 the hard thing to do is to always challenge that view with the other opinions, right and the other facts and I try to do this on our twitter and it's always interesting because on Twitter every morning I will post a couple of different viewpoints, and I'll say, "Look, you know here's some economic data that says that things are getting weaker and here's a here's something that says. Things are getting better. And it's interesting to see the comments that come back on these views, right? I'm just posting these to to provide different viewpoints so that you can make an educated decision. And it's interesting that, you know, the pushback that I get on some of these points, right? You don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy, blah, 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 right? Because I'm, I'm disagreeing with somebody's point of view. I'm challenging their view, and they don't want to hear it. But this is, this is what makes us better investors is to be able to challenge that view and say, yes, I can hear you, and I can consider that point of view. I'm not sure I agree with it, but I will factor it into my decision-making process. And this is the problem that we have today in society in general is that we can no longer do that, right? We have one side of the world that is, you know, has this view and we have another side of the world that has that view and nobody wants to talk or even consider the other view. And the way you win arguments today is just to outshout somebody else. <laughs> all yes, you just type in all caps. La, 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 I can't hear you. And that's the way you win an argument, right? There's no longer the ability to debate, even on social media. And again, like I, I, like I told you this morning, you know, I'll, I'll post something that is either bullish or bearish, and even trying to debate that point of view devolves very rapidly into name calling. And so, what benefit are you deriving from this? None. And this is and this is the problem with with social media in general. And again, as investors, we need to set that aside and have a unbiased discussion about these different views and and to which one makes the most sense. Not necessarily what I agree with, but which one logically has the most teeth to it, right, in terms of factual, historical data. In the short term, markets can do things, as I said, that are totally illogical. They can defy data in the short term. In the long term, data matters. Fundamentals matter in the long term. An economic recession will matter in the long term. One of the big challenges that we have to figure out is because the market declined last year by 20%, has the recession that may occur late this year or next year already been priced in to the market? Right. Have we adjusted prices enough to account for the slowdown in earnings for an economic recession? Or is it possible that the economy can avoid a recession entirely? And these are the questions. And, and again, you know, whether I agree with you or not is irrelevant All I can tell you is is this is what history shows whenever ISM manufacturing indexes have been at this level or when the leading economic indicators have been at this level or there's always been a recession every single time. And the issue, of course, is, is this time different? And yes, it, it can be different. I don't know how it can be different, but is it possible that the economy could avoid a recession? Yeah, it's possible. I just don't know how it would be possible given the state of the economic data that we currently have. Anyway, be careful getting your news from TikTok is the point. Challenge your opinions. That's the most important thing. Be right back after the break.
0: Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com
1: So one of the um, interesting things that's going on right now is the fund flows into what is known as reverse repo. Now, reverse repurchases is a program with the Federal Reserve and the banks. And it's basically the interest on the cash balances that are held in the Fed programs. So, what's happening of course and this has been an interesting you know issue since the fed has really started raising interest rates if you take a look at your jp morgan as an example or bank of america wells fargo see what you're getting paid on your money market accounts probably close to zero and yet the balances that these banks are holding with the fed are getting paid very nice interest rates and so of course that's sucking more and more capital into those programs. Article in the Wall Street Journal this morning. Banks are under pressure from depositors embracing of money market funds. Now, this is an interesting situation because we talk about this probably last week we discussed it, talking about these money market fund balances, now about $5.2 trillion. Now, money market funds are not necessarily bank money market funds. These are mutual funds that invest in short-term T-bills, et cetera. So one of the byproducts of the Fed hiking rates and, and some of the risk to the banks, of course, you know, we just talked about Silicon Valley Bank recently and others. Now, they had specific problems. But one of the problems for banks is that as these interest rates have gone up, people go, I've got this money sitting over at J.P. Morgan making me zero, I'm going to go sweep it into my Fidelity money market fund where I can get four percent. Makes complete sense. Why not? But the problem is, is that that takes capital out of the banks, right? So banks work on this kind of fractional reserve banking we've discussed, you know, previously. So when you make a deposit, when you have a savings account at the bank, that money's already loaned out to somebody else. So you deposit there, they loan to somebody else, and they're capturing that spread between the zero they pay you and the interest rate they're charging on whatever loan they made. Or if there's not a loan to be made, they go buy treasury bonds and they're capturing that spread between the two. Well, if the deposits are shifted, right? So let's just say, for instance, right, just pick a number. I've got $100,000 sitting at, at J.P. Morgan paying me zero. So JP Morgan has loaned out that $100,000 to somebody else, or they've gone to buy treasuries with it at, you know, 4%, whatever. So they're capturing that nice spread. They're making a nice little bit of money off of me. And then I go, well, if you're not going to share in the wealth, right, like we used to do, I'm going to take that money. I'm going to buy a money market fund somewhere else. I'm going to shift it over to my Fidelity account. I'm going to put it into a money market account. Or I'm gonna go buy my own treasuries. And a lot of people are doing that now, right? Open an account with Treasury Direct and they're buying their own treasuries. So they say, give me my $100,000 back. Okay, well, if I give you your $100,000 back, I've gotta go get the cash because I don't have it on hand. Now, hopefully JP Morgan can meet a $100,000 withdrawal. But <laughs> assuming that a whole bunch of people do this, they've gotta go either, well, they don't, that's not an either, they don't have an issue. They have to go sell their collateral. They can't go to Brent, who I loaned money to, and say, hey, oh, I, need, uh, I had a depositor that wants his money back, so I need you to pay off your loan today. I can't do that. I've got to go sell my, my collateral. So this is putting additional strain on the banks. Let me just read to you from the Wall Street Journal article, just in case you don't believe me which I wouldn't believe me either. Uh, Money market fund assets are increasing at a record clip. Much of that cash is making its way into the Fed's overnight reverse repurchase facility, which borrows from money funds and other firms in exchange for securities, such as treasuries, that then returns the money the next day. The program known on Wall Street as Reverse Repo allows financial firms and others to earn interest on large cash balances, but some analysts contend it's also effectively draining funds from the banking system where it would otherwise be invested or lent out. That's exactly correct. That reverse repo program was virtually at zero at the beginning of 2021. Now, where were interest rates in 2021? They were zero. When the Fed started hiking interest rates in 2022, there was a very sharp increase in those reverse repo funds. However, that actual in, but the actual growth of the reverse repo program had started in mid in the middle of 2021. So as inflation was growing, right? As inflation was rising, there was already a shift afoot. And that's been increasing. And now those reverse repo programs are over $2 trillion. So it's, it's a lot. Back to the Wall Street Journal article. As of Tuesday, $2.2 trillion set in the Fed's reverse repo facility, paying a 4.8% annualized rate. That's the problem right there in a nutshell. There is an alternative... To other choices at 4.8 percent, and this is this is a problem that will potentially impact banks more because, again, you know, I, I told you when I first started in the world of finance, I used to manage, you know, the CD, I worked in the CD business of banks, and it was basically matching the deposit book for CDs. So if you want a CD at A three percent rate the bank goes out and they buy treasuries for the same duration at four percent they give you three they keep the spread that's how they make money and that's why your cd rate will always lag whatever the treasury rate is so you know people go buy cds at banks i'm like why just go buy yourself a treasury open up an account at, at at uh you know fidelity schwab wherever right and just buy a treasury bond it's the same as a cd it matures at face value and you get all your money back, and you get a higher rate. So why buy a CD? It's just because we were trained as individuals that we stick money into a bank and we buy a CD. But you can make better money because there's always a spread differential between the CD and the Treasury because the bank has to make money. Well, that's gotten ridiculous over the last five years. Banks are going, why pay you anything just stick your money into money market accounts. We'll give you the, the nice honking rate of 0.01% on your money market funds, and we'll make the spread difference. So they've been doing, banks have been doing great for years. Now all of a sudden, you know, but, but again, most individuals were going, well, interest rates are zero, so obviously it's zero everywhere, so I'm going to go stick my money into equities where I can get a higher yield. And this is what, over the last decade, has been driving the asset markets at an unprecedented clip. Was his chase of return? Now, all of a sudden, I don't have to take the risk anymore. At 4.8 or five percent or four percent, whatever that number is, I don't need to take risk. You know it, It's always been a very fascinating psychological experiment, because individuals come to me all the time, all the time, and this has been going on for years. Lance, if you can just get me 3% or 4% a year, I'm good. I'm good. That's all I need. If I could just get 3 or 4% every year, I'm good. I retire. Everything's fine. I don't need a bunch of returns. Okay. I can build you a really safe portfolio. And this, is, this goes back years, right? The last five, six, seven, eight years. Yes, I can build you a fairly safe portfolio that will generate 4% a year without taking on a whole lot of risk. And then, of course, as soon as the market runs up, they're calling me. I like, so, well, why aren't we making more money? Because you told me you wanted 4%. So we built, a, we, we built a car to win a specific race. And now you want to go race a Grand Prix, right? Different car. <laughs> so if you want to race a Grand Prix, we can do that. We have to build a different car. No, nah, it's okay. I, you know, as long as I'm getting 4%. You're getting 4%, no problem. Next year, they want 6 they want 7 whatever the market's doing, right? So that's human nature. But that was because they couldn't eat anything at zero. And so they say I want everything at 4%, but they really want whatever the market's returning. What's interesting now is that individuals are going, man, at 4%, I'm just going to go stick my money into a money market account, and I don't have to worry about anything. I've got my 4% locked up. True. Until rates drop. And then you'll be right back in the soup again. So... The important thing here, though, is that this is providing, you know, where rates are, what the Fed has done is provided an environment that gives investors a choice of a risk-free return. And there's a lot of investors and individuals that are going, okay, I'll take that. And that's going to continue to put stress on banks, so what we saw happen with Silicon Valley Bank, as I said, is a, a one-off kind of issue. But there is systemic risk in the mid-sized regional bank space if these flows continue. Let me uh, just go back to this article here real quick because they have some stats. Bank deposits have fallen $363 billion to $17.3 trillion since the beginning of March. Now, $363 billion doesn't sound like a lot when you talk about $17 trillion since March. This is according to Fed data. Assets in money market funds have risen by $304 billion. That's where the money went. The problem is, at some point, if those flows continue to accelerate, banks are forced to sell assets they may not be able to sell to meet those redemptions quick break we're back They'll go away
0: The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com.
1: Just in case you're unaware, taxes are due in two weeks. So... (laughs) But if you're not going to file on April the 15th, you do need to file your extension. So make sure you get that done quickly. Uh, you need to get that done before April the 15th, pay your estimate, etc., for what you think you'll owe in taxes. Get that uh, done. So make sure and do your work. You don't want that to sneak up on you. Time flies. I mean, I can't believe it's already April and it's here already. Um, a couple of uh, headlines today just uh, I thought were interesting and we'll just kind of get the day started again. Uh, futures pointing a little bit lower this morning, not dramatically. Um, this morning we get the ADP. Now, remember, this is, a, this is jobs week, so we're going to get ADP today and we get employment this week as well. So we're going to get both uh, employment reports. Now, these are these are going to be important relative to what the Fed does next. And, you know, the hope by the markets is is the Fed is going to stop hiking rates and start cutting rates later this year. Yesterday, um, Federal Reserve's member uh, Loretta Meister, uh, she's the Cleveland president for the Federal Reserve, said on Tuesday that the U.S. Central Bank likely has more interest rate rises ahead. Now, that doesn't sound like one to me. She right. said on Tuesday, the U.S. Central Bank likely has more interest rate increases ahead amid signs the recent banking sector troubles have been contained. Now, that is a throwback for me to 2007 when we bailed out Bear Stearns, and that was being bailed out because of their high-quality asset funds, which all contained subprime mortgages, blew up. And Ben Bernanke came out and said, hey, everything's fine. It's a Goldilocks economy, not too hot, not too cold. It's just right. And subprime is contained. Of course, it wasn't. And I thought there's a consequence. Loretta Meister yesterday saying that the banking crisis troubles are contained. Yet, as we were just talking about the flows of assets into money market funds is draining these small to mid-sized banks of capital that they need to meet redemptions. And at some point, if those redemptions exceed their ability to sell assets to meet those redemptions, you get another banking crisis at that bank, right? So that bank's going to fail and have to be resolved somehow. So this is going to be the big issue, right? To keep inflation on a sustained path towards 2%, again, this is Loretta Meister yesterday, and to keep inflation expectations anchored, she sees monetary policy moving somewhat further into restrictive territory this year with the Fed funds rate moving above 5%. Now, this is just one person's opinion. Doesn't mean she's right, but this is a very big differential between what the markets are expecting, which the markets are expecting either just one or no more rate hikes and the Fed to start cutting rates later this year. Now, the Fed is currently not in blackout period right now. So... After the last FOMC meeting, the market has run up fairly sharply. Again, we've talked about this before, that rising asset prices are a monetary easing, right? Makes people feel better. They go out and spend money. That helps foster inflation. Then you have OPEC Plus cutting uh, oil production, raising oil prices, and that could add to inflation issues as well help mitigate the decline of inflation, so to speak, through higher energy prices. So there are some things here that certainly suggest that the Fed is not going to be cutting rates. And maybe Loretta Meister is floating the trial balloon out there saying, hey, we're going to hike rates more. Let's see how the markets react. And if the markets don't crater on that, then they're going to go, okay, we we can go ahead and hike rates. That's how the Fed operates. She goes on to say, and this is a quote, precisely how much higher the federal funds rate will need to go from here and and for how long policy will need to remain restrictive will depend on how much inflation and inflation expectations are moving down, and that will depend on how much demand is slowing. Supply challenges are being resolved and price pressures are easing. But as Jerome Powell noted several times in his speech following the last FOMC meeting, the inflation rate is nowhere near their target rate of where they want it, which doesn't suggest they'll be cutting rates anytime soon. So that, we'll be watching that you know very closely here. Uh, these employment numbers are also going to feed into that decision. If employment remains very strong, that is also not going to be inducive to the federal reserve cutting interest rates one of the issues that the fed has to deal with is rising wages and a wage price spiral which is inflationary in the economy so if a if employment remains strong in these reports coming up and yes while the jolt survey cracked a bit for the first time it's still very elevated in terms of the number of job openings relative to the Number of people that want a job, so it's a very tight labor market that keeps wages elevated, that's inflationary. So, unless this jobs report comes in just dramatically weaker like we lose a million jobs if we have positive growth of 200 or 250,000 jobs, 300,000 jobs in, the, on the, in this next employment report, if that's the case then there's certainly no evidence there that the Fed is going to be cutting interest rates anytime soon. So watch the ADP report. Now, the ADP report and the employment report from the government have not been very well correlated over the last year or so. But if the ADP report comes in showing some fairly decent job growth, you can probably expect the BLS report to show some fairly decent job growth as well. I mean, the, the BLS has been stronger than ADP, so you can kind of estimate from there. I said on Tuesday we got the ISM manufacturing index, which is certainly showing a lot of weakness here, but today we'll get the services index. And that'll tell us a, a kind of another piece of the puzzle. Services have been a lot stronger than manufacturing because 80% of our economy is services, right? So Uber Eats and DoorDash and all those type of things. So the services index will tell us a bit about the strength of the economy if that has actually been a fair bit stronger than the manufacturing side in fact remaining in expansionary territory suggesting the economy is a bit stronger so we'll see what this number says today if it comes in you know above 50 you know that's going to help that's also going to keep the federal reserve on a more tightening path because again if they're not seeing a lot of economic weakness why cut rates Or why pause if there's not a lot of economic weakness showing up in the data? If employment is strong, if inflation remains, you know, well elevated and services data is strong, even though manufacturing is a little bit weak because of the size of the services index in the economy, you know, the Fed's going to go, we've got to keep hiking rates. We're not seeing that pull down. And if services are remaining strong, that means consumers are still spending, which means inflation is not going to fall as quickly as the Fed would like. So these two this this bit of data we're going to get today is is fairly important to where the Fed is going to start to focus their next bit of actions again something we'll talk about more tomorrow. Walmart also to having their second investor day today. You know, Walmart's always always e- e- interesting to hear what they say about foot traffic in their stores, how people are spending. I mean, cuz this is where You're getting down into mainstream America, right? Where does mainstream America shop? They're not shopping at LVMH. They're shopping at Walmart, Target, Dollar Store, et cetera. So when you start hearing stories from Walmart talking about slower foot traffic, inventory issues, pricing issues, et cetera, tells you a little bit more about what's happening in the underlying economy so always important to kind of listen to that they'll have there'll be some headlines out today from their investor day so we'll we'll probably touch on some of those again tomorrow <clears throat> okay that kind of wraps up the show for the day um uh, be sure you go by the website get our michael lebowitz latest article uh we have a lot of questions out lately about what do i buy bills bonds or notes and that's what his article is about today on the website what is what and where to go and what to look for. Those are That's on the website today at realinvestmentadvice.com. Also, where you're there, make sure and pick up our latest daily market commentary. Make sure you subscribe right there on the home page. right? Just scroll down just a little bit from the top. You'll see the ability to subscribe to all of our different newsletters, daily market commentary, YouTube channels, et cetera. Join us, follow us. We'd love to help you out any way we can. It's all free. It's all there to help you, of course, at realinvestmentadvice.com. Have a great day. See you back here tomorrow.